Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. I can tell you that I have not read much, if any, of the Green Arrow. Green Arrow year one's really good. It was drawn by Jock, so mm-hmm. that had, that's why I bought it. But no, he did, he did Rat Catcher on Vertigo Crime. So it was the same imprint that did Fogtown. We liked so much. I liked Fogtown. Yeah, right? Yeah. But he did a Rat Catcher trying to find a mole in West Texas kind of a deal. Okay. That was good. And then um, the other one I really liked from that imprint was um, Filthy Rich by Brian Azzarello. That one was worth reading. <laughs> You know, it's interesting as much as you know, people say, oh, Marvel, I'm a DC. I don't know what I am right now because I obviously haven't read nearly as much DC as Marvel. But that being said, I don't read any Marvel these days either. Like most of what we do on the show is indie and that's most of what I read. So sure. But I do um, know that the the year one stuff normally is pretty good. The stuff that I've read. They did a really good job with Green Arrow year one. So Brian, what were you saying? Oh, I was going to say, like, I feel like of the big two, I'm more of a DC now just because DC has better writers, um, in my opinion. So what gets interesting there, because I've thought about this a lot, is I hear someone that prefers DC over Marvel, right? Now, I do have some Marvel stuff. I have, like, two copies of God Love, Man Kills, and I've got a few other things, Star Wars or whatnot. My Marvel's on the other side. Okay. But it's, um, I hear a lot of, oh, those runs were great, but many stories like, you have Spider-Man's Craven's Last Hunt. That's something that people get hold up, you must read, or some other things, but I guess what I'm really looking for is, where's the uh, um, killing joke? Where's the hot Where's the Watchmen? These little 12 series or less, I say bite size um, ability to just consume with standalone. And I mean, it has events, but in Marvel, I do not I'm, like you see top 10 lists and top 20 lists for Marvel that out um, publishes DC by quite a margin. They're not nearly as representative of, oh, these are the ones you got to read or that I hate to use the word that matter. These are the ones with impact. We have that. We have Age of X. Uh huh. <laughs> that's so, kind of a good point. I mean, you like with Marvel you had like the Dark Phoenix saga. You had stuff that was way a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what's interesting to watch is like, and Marvel's putting out short runs all the time. They, we start with a new number one every three issues. They reboot it back to a number one again. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's a lack of opportunity for Marvel to have these evergreen titles. But I mean, and let's go back to the evergreen. You have the Phoenix saga. You have God Love Man Kills. I'll reference that again. Um, Craven's Last Hunt. But if you go and um, great Spider-Man story there. But as you go through here is what are the evergreen Marvel titles that's forever in print? I mean Graham Morrison's New Mutants is getting another reprinting again this year. And there's omnibuses of reprinting, but where is the oh, I don't know a lot about comics. I really, what should I read to get into it? Name me a, I, I truly is, what's, what would you recommend as a Marvel comic that's come out in the last 15 years? Let's say read this, it's great. Because the trick of it is, the Ultimate Universe is now more than 15 years ago. Yeah. That's true. Right? So the Ultimate Universe is out. Where is a 3, 6, 12 issue run? This is great. This will get you hooked. Tell me what's next. Kind of a deal on Marvel. I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, there's been good stuff, but nothing that stands sure. out. So friend, I go back to the Matt Fraction around Hawkeye. I mean, that's one of my favorite things we've ever read. More than 15 years also, ago. Was that more than 15 years ago? I'm going to say that. Let's see. But even then, even using that as an example, it's still not. It, it's like a side. It's a side story mm-hmm. in the Marvel universe. It's not 2012. It started, so we're at 11 years. That's 11 years. So I'll give you Hawkeye. What would you say is past 10, 15 years? What's a Marvel standout of going? Hey, this was a great little thing. Let's read that. I mean, for me, I would go honestly. The answer is Doctor Afra. Yeah. 
I really enjoyed that. I'd recommend Dr. Aphra. A lot of the first parts of, the, like, the Star Wars stuff is pretty good. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I mean, but that's that's almost not Marvel. Like, it is published by Marvel, but it's not Marvel Universe. It's not, like, if you're, if someone wants to get into Marvel comics. You're not staring them towards Star Wars. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I was on mute. <laughs> All good, okay. man. So I was talking with him is for the last 10 years, if you were to ask me where I would suggest reading, and Brian makes a good point here, I'd say my probably of the most recent 10 years of Marvel's Marvel publishing was Dr. Aphra. Mm-hmm. But that's Star Wars. And so that's not your, when you think Marvel comics, you're not thinking Star Wars, right? Whereas the uh, 10 years, 15, I'll, let's stick at 15. I started at 15. I'm not going to move the five poles. Yeah. So Hawkeye was 10 years ago. Yep. It was 2011 it started. But yeah. Yep. So with that run there is, what would you point to? Like for me, even like Batman the Imposter is a great little mini run that's rather recent. Um, there was a great run. I would even point some people as like, you want something wild and crazy? There's metal as a mm-hmm. little event to dive into uh, as it's going on there. But what are the evergreen Marvel titles to say this is why they're awesome? I, I will say that I know a lot of people who will say that the newest Hickman run on X-Men from about what, four or five years ago would be that the House of M, House of X, whatever it was. Not House of M, House of... Oh, House of... Um, Powers of House of X, Powers of Ten, whatever. Yeah, you know we know yeah. how Hickman okay. is, but I do know. I'll take that. I do know a lot of people, I, and I've started reading it, and I do enjoy it. But at the same time, every five pages, I'm reminded by how much I don't like Hickman. So <laughs> that's why I've never gotten through it, is because I'll get to like page 150, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to read anymore. I'm done. The great. I was talking the other night with Buddy Brian over here about the greatest thing I think Hickman ever wrote is he's got a blurb on God's hates astronauts. Hey, you should read this book blurb, mm-hmm. and it says. Not to oversell anything, this is Hickman, does, but I gave this book to a blind man and now he can see. <laughs> so Hickman's review of God Hates Astronauts, I'm like, it's not that it's too over the top, but this is so over the top. I think and I thought it was a fantastic review of what that book is. Yeah, I still have no idea what it's about, but Brian, didn't you say something about it was astronauts going to the moon so they could love their chickens or something like that? That's a side element. Okay. But that's what that's what you're first introduced to. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so bonkers. That's the first major plot point. It's so bonkers. A uh, book two. That's book two I always pull out. Oh, so that, that's not even the beginning of the story? That's book two? Yeah, book one is... Um, no, I'm pretty certain the, the, the chicken lovers are in book one. They are elements of book one, but they're not the main gist. Because you have the superhero that gets beat up. He can't die, but he gets bloody and his head pops. So a ghost head gets put on top of him to replace his other head in that whole sequence. Because he's going against Tiger eating a cheeseburger space invaders. So, did this person take a lot of influence from South Park? Because there's a Chicken Lover episode of South Park. Yeah, it's it's different. I mean, even at the beginning, but Ryan Brown wrote this inanity. It has a, while you're reading this book, here is the voice actors you should have in your head for all of these different characters. I mean, it is silly. It's, it's almost so silly, Monty Python would go, well, this book's a bit silly here, isn't it? <laughs> so, it is just so silly. And it's not for everyone, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's over here doing his best Lena impersonation by shaking his head. <laughs> it's not for everyone. And I'm like, I love this so much. I went out to a concert over the weekend with my brother and his person he sees. How you doing? She listens. So on occasion. And I convinced her to get God Hates Astronauts. You're a mean, mean man. I, I told her it's. <laughs> well, after we discussed our mutual love of Letterkenny and how outrageous Letterkenny could be, he's like, you want to talk about outrageous? Let's talk about this. And she's like, I just bought it. It's on its way. So, but do they Lindsay, talk about having? Do they have a talk about having uh, his dick meat in her mouth? So, 
the dicks are great. You have chastity dick, Anita dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> uh, hi, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater <laughs> podcast. Uh, we are continuing our month uh, where we're focusing on the Mai Tai. It's been a while, long enough since we've recorded. I almost forgot all that. Uh, so this week we are uh, doing the Flintstones. Brian? Yeah. What's a Mai Tai? No, it's what's a Nubian. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. Too many Mai Tais. Too many Mai Tais. What if it was uh, a Nubian Mai Tai? Ooh, I, I don't know what makes it specifically Nubian. But uh, yeah, so, uh, but we are doing the Flintstones by uh, Mark Russell and Steve Pew. Pew Pew. Um, Pew. We have uh, three of us here tonight. We have Adam, we have Brian, which is me, and we have the Todd. Yeah, the, Hello. The, the Todd. The Todd. The Todd. I'm not talking about banana. The Todd. Uh, with his love of banana hammock. Um, I mean, it's better than that. What do they call it in the movies when they do an intimate scene? Like the love sock or the... Oh, the sock, yeah. Yeah, the sock, yeah. Yeah, have you seen... Um... Scrubs. Oh, no, I was thinking of Reboot on Hulu. When you say I Reboot, I think that. of the 90s cartoon. cartoon. Oh, no, this is... Um, uh, it's a it's a comedy about the daughter of um, the original producer of like this six or the 80s, 90s uh, like family show. She reboots it and tries to make it modern and edgy. And uh, one of the, the guy, the actor who plays the assistant director um, is actually a friend of mine. Um, he worked at Disney with me. He played Olaf, but he has some of the most outrageous, like, and he looks like a librarian. Like, just very, like, if you looked up Mild Manor in the dictionary, you would have a picture of Ryan, uh, which is his real name. I can't remember his character's name. Dennis, I think, is his character's name. Because um, I remember them saying fucking Dennis all the time. So, uh, anyway, he is the epitome of Mild Manor, and then he has some of the most outrageous lines in the movie. They go to a uh, costume uh, showing of, uh, what is it? Uh, Pulp Fiction, and he dresses up as the gimp. Like, oh, that's a choice. <laughs> yeah, so. That's a choice. So. It's funny we're talking about socks and stuff because I had a friend yesterday, we were talking about cosplaying at Comic-Con, uh-huh. and he had never heard of what a dance belt is. Oh. So I had to explain that a dance belt helps make it so if a guy is cosplaying in spandex, you can't tell if he's Jewish or not. Yeah. So, yes. I was hoping to get a laugh out of that, and I got one from Clark behind me, but I didn't get one from you guys. So. <laughs> Go Clark! That's because I actually work in an industry that has dance belts and uses them frequently. As well what, they should. <laughs> what you said was nothing but factual. Like that's I, I'm like, yes, that that is accurate. You're like, this is a day in my life, so yes. it's not humorous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was time a while back, my wife had a bunch of people over and she had this very lovely English lady and they're sewing as a sewing party. And I'm like, what you doing? Making merkins? <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> like, hmm? <laughs> Good old merkins. Good old merkins. So, uh, anyway, we are doing, as we said before, the Mai Tai this month. And uh, so here is the recipe for the Mai Tai that we recommend. Uh, So this Mai Tai, it is one ounce of lime juice, half an ounce of orange liqueur, quarter ounce of orgeat, a quarter ounce of simple syrup, one ounce of dark rum, one ounce of white rum. And uh, you put that all in a mint or in a shaker, shake the shit out of it, and you garnish with mint. And Adam, do you have a drinking game rule for this week? I do, but before I do that, I actually did make our Mai Tai, and it was nice. quite delicious, but it almost seemed like it should have been the base spirit for a drink. Like, it needed to be kind of watered down a bit, because that thing is it's pretty strong. damn potent. Yeah. It's a, it's a tiki beverage. What can I say? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it was it was delicious, though. Um. So, yeah, my drinking game rule is, uh, when did this take place again? So, every time you're reading 
reading through this and you're like, wait, is this a modern problem or a Flintstone problem? Because they seem similar. So. Yes, all great Flintstones issues are. Yeah, no, sounds great. Cool. Todd, do you have one? When the meaning of life is the friends you have. Okay. So as you read it and you've got like all of the uh, house animals that produce the chores or actions of machines like the bowling ball armadillo and the elephant vacuum. Yeah. They're all kind of like existential crisis-y, but they're like, yeah, life has meaning, you know, has other people and whatnot. Go ahead and take a drink because this this is a thinker. Okay. Uh, and I'm calling my drinking rule, game rule. I swear to God, every time their religion changes deities, take a drink and thank Peaches for everything that you have yes, today. Gerald. Yes, uh, my favorite Gerald. moment was, what else has Teaches, what have been the Teaches of Peaches? And I was like, <laughs> I, I love that joke. <laughs> the moment I saw that, I had to screenshot it and send yep. it to everyone. And I was just like losing my mind because that was just lovely. Yeah. Or Morp, I think, is one of the other gods yeah. they use mm-hmm. fairly regularly. Uh, yeah. My favorite is when they f- suddenly develop the indivisible, er, invisible uh, god that can exist forever because he's now invisible. Yeah. Like, it takes him three or four rounds to find the real life. Got it. Got it. He's invisible. Wait, our god is a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> True. Anyway, well, uh, so, Todd, what are your thoughts? So, it was so interesting reading up on this. I mean, so, talking about my Ty Flintstones first family. The Flintstones always is let's have bedrock in ancient times talking about modern issues, right? Even when they first came out, they were doing that an awful lot, right? You've got the um, adoption of Bam Bam. Mm-hmm. How that's approached to this book is uh, a bit darker and grittier mm-hmm. than the cartoon kind of has showed up. I mean, you take a look in the movie and Fred drops all his money so they could have a kid. And then in this, it's more like, man, we're at war. Here's the kid. Mm, happened. Here we are. Yay. Yay. Good things do come from war. It's living said is like one of the most things is you've got Fred and he's like, you're wearing a tie, Fred. What's going on there? It's like, like, say you dress for the job you want, not the job you have. It's like, oh, how long have you been wearing that tie? It's like, 15 years. <laughs> right. So you've got Fred that's working hard, doing what he can, but not quite there. He's just making it by. Uh, there's an episode where they come in and say, hey, housing prices are hot. We're going to have to raise your rent or I'm going to sell this place for a lot of money. He's like, that's not fair. He's like, dude, I'm doing you a favor just by raising it a little bit. And you're like, this is feeling awfully <laughs> recent and this book's been out for a hot minute i mean even this was a pre-pandemic book yeah i think so yeah 2016 well into Mm pre-pandemic and yeah nothing is as prescient as ever so you're reading these things you have wilma the artist and the ups and downs there so you've got these people blue collar in this world that's being figured out that's about to end or is it and you have these deities and we go on to the next one and you have these elections of i'm the bully so vote me in because the bully protects you and i'm like Huh, these are all interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hence my drinking game. <laughs> Hence the drinking game, right? And so what this does as well as the other Flintstones does, it's I say grittier is not quite the right term. It's a little sardonic, but it, it moves things into the extreme past to make strong commentary on the now. And it does this beautifully. The art is awesome. The characters are all there. And it feels like, oh yeah, this is Fred. That's Barney. That's Slate. That is all cool. You got Slate going, dude. I love you. Why, why'd you leave me? He's like, sorry, trade it up. What can I say? Is all these little episodic vignettes of stories under themselves are really, really good. And it feels so Flintstones and it's still, it's true to Flintstones and yet it's been a reboot updated so very well. I think this thing, I'm like, after reading, I'm like, oh, this is why it got the deluxe edition treatment. I get it now. Mm-hmm. So there are my thoughts there. Okay. 
Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts? I mean, kind of a lot of it is the same. It's uh, I never really got too much into the Flintstones as a kid. I was kind of more Jetsons. That's just kind of how I was. Uh, and again, I didn't know what I was getting into. I know, Brian, you, you mentioned it was kind of tying into some of the themes of previous comics that we'd read this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't quite think it would hit it as much on the head as it did to, to the point where that's my my drinking game came from there. We're keeping everyone locked down with consumerism that we all need. Uh, do they call it stuff or junk? They called it something like that. I can't and remember. Yeah, but one of those two. Everyone's just obsessed with getting it and you get to the point where like you know fred's thinking oh well wilma wants this she needs this i need to do this to make her happy in the long run she's like i didn't need any of this stuff like that's not my driving point and i think for a lot of people not only do they chase after stuff but they're doing it just because someone else thinks they want them to do it and that can be said through a lot of things in life like how many people are going out there saying well i need to do this or buy this or live this kind of lifestyle because it'll make this person happy when in the long run they're like i didn't want that i wanted something very simple or basic Mm -hmm. uh so i mean I, i like the message there one things that kind of hit me that was interesting was the uh the the episode where the comet was going to come just or the asteroid was going to destroy earth and they're all trying to you know hey how are we going to spend our last days and their asshole boss was like well i would like to have you people like you know come spend time with me for like our, our final you know moments on earth and like no one shows up and it almost seems like it'd be something out of a movie and it might have even been like uh don't look up or one of the other ones where mm-hmm. it's you know it's like how shitty would that be to be like you know what you assume to be is your last hour of life on earth and absolutely no one wants anything to do with you Mm-hmm. No, they say we all end up dying alone in the long run, but at least you could have someone there holding your hand. But yeah, and then, but then from what I could tell, though, it didn't change him. He just was the same pissed off bastard he was the next day at work. Um, I really, really, like I said, did enjoy the the thing about God changing and finally figuring out that oh, we can just do it with an invisible God. The only one I wasn't a huge fan of was I mean I know it moved the plot along as far as the war, but when they had the spring break aliens, that one. Oh yeah, it was. I feel like they could have done the story about Barney and Fred and how the, you know being the war and everything else and how they found Bam Bam better because uh, that was obviously a very important part of the story and how they're approaching like hey these ex-soldiers with PTSD uh, and again going through things that happen in real life but I just I kind of felt like it was out of place like it just didn't I mean yeah sure it was kind of funny and lighthearted before they started murdering people but mm-hmm. it, for me it just felt out of place with the whole story but I mean aside from that like I I fully loved and enjoyed every minute of it I had no clue what I was getting into I was just like oh Flintstones haha and then it's like no this is Flintstones in the vein of Snagglepuss so yeah same writer who'd have thunk right yeah well he can he can he can do the jetsons next like i said i already like i'm already bought into the jetsons so (laughs) let's see what we can do there and then we can have him do the flintstones jetson crossover that they did back in when i was a wee lad so now i gotta look up to see if the jetsons have a comic book they do i think palmiotti did it is my guess how'd i do let's see because silence is what's best on these shows i can edit out silence that's why he edits it (laughs) and here's the thing if i'm truly silent what will happen is is that uh it will just get picked up by uh, when i do the search and cut out all silence and it'll be gone i'll never even notice yes a series was written by jimmy palmiotti and illustrated by beer brito cover collection by amanda connor no duh okay booster gold flintstone special number one mm-hmm. interesting yeah that's in the deluxe edition of the jetsons no of the flintstones book oh okay oh you know what? actually this is again going back to why i that issue with the galactic spring break was didn't mean much for me that wasn't even the one where they talked about how they got bam bam that was just the one showing when they came back from war and how they were all celebrated and then 10 minutes later the world forgot about them so yeah it did kind of go back to that ptsd thing that they're working through but right again that if, if that issue wasn't there i'd probably have given this like a half star higher than i would have but i mean aside from that it, it's a great book like i don't regret reading it um i think it's very very well done and i highly recommend it that's just like kind of like my one little quibble so okay sure well i mean that leads into a prime opportunity 
for grades. Well, uh, what about Hostess with the Mostess for yeah. you? Yeah, Hostess with the Mostess. Um, I like this book quite a bit. I like the commentary on religion. I thought that was very funny. I like the commentary on science. Um, mm-hmm. I like the parody of Carl Sagan. Um, I thought that was amusing. Uh, but like, I recently, well, so we leave on um, TV for our dogs when we're gone to help distract them and not and make them not crazy, which I forgot to do when I came over today, and I realized that. So oh. that's going to be a thing. Um, but uh, so our TV is often on Me TV, which is the local television uh, station that plays like old reruns of things. And like Sunday mornings, they play Flintstones episodes pretty regularly. So I've watched a fair amount of Flintstones recently. Um, and this is still very much it's a modern uh, take on it, but it still very much is in the vein of original Flintstones of taking you know putting like in the lyrics to the theme song it's the modern stone age family like they are both modern and they are in the stone age and i think this book does a really good job of keeping both of those things balanced pretty well um the one thing i also like that i actually kind of looked for and it doesn't do which i kind of appreciate is in the movies they did a lot of puns about all the different you know this rock whatever or whatever all the different things and like that's in the cartoon as well but like it's not as heavily featured as a gag a lot of the stores are recognizable just slightly changed yeah in the book yeah but like it but it's not as like beat you over the head slapsticky i guess sure. that's not the right word but it's not as it's not as much like elbow you in the ribs you see what i did there as uh-huh. you know it is in the movie yeah like look how look how clever i am yeah exactly so i, I appreciated that t- level of restraint i guess for a comic book based on the flintstones mm-hmm. um I, I did appreciate that as well so um okay with that being said mr adam what is your grade uh we're doing a five right i was yes, forget, I got, i've got different things that do different stars i'm gonna go with a 4.5 i really okay. really enjoyed it i thought it was very well done uh it's again in the vein of snagglepuss which makes sense because he wrote it yeah. uh it talks about a lot of modern issues and modern problems that just kind of tells you that yeah obviously this didn't really happen because they didn't have tvs in the stone age but right. essentially that history is cyclical and that what we think is new or different probably happened before and it'll happen again uh i just my only complaint is that one little episode or issue with the the alien people but no it's a good book go read it cool uh mr todd i'm gonna stick with the four and a half stars i okay. was thoroughly impressed with this book i'm like oh this is great cool so yeah i'll i'll write along with the, all that at four and a half as well um cool well that will do it for this week um next week we have one more book based on the mai tai coming up um i think we're surprising people now we are yeah that's sort of what we've been doing is surprising it so wow so join us for a an action adventure filled book i will say that much um and uh thanks everybody for joining us and we will see you all later bye bye oh adam tried to get his revenge i did and next time i'll have to go faster there we are faster harder and with more intensity